everybody. It's Rob Port here on WDAY. Fighting a cold as we head into the weekend. I, uh, I just woke up again about an hour ago. Have you been <laughs> taking DayQuil over there? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm taking all sorts of stuff to try to get through this show today. And we're going to do it because I don't like missing work. I, uh... And I, I love doing this job. I love it, and uh, a little cold's not going to bring me. Well, a little cold might actually bring him down. We seem to have lost our connection with the access that Rob uses here to get through to us. I am going to switch us into a very quick commercial break here while we take care of these technical difficulties. You're listening to 970 WDAY. Please stay tuned right here. Sorry about that, 970 WDAY. We've got Rob back. Yeah, sorry about that. Not sure what happened, but a uh, little technical difficulty, but we're going to get through this. Uh, we have uh, our guest today, Governor Doug Burgum. Governor, thanks uh, for being on the program. Great, Rob. Welcome back to your own show. Yeah. Glad to have you on. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of those days. It's, it's Friday's just going swimmingly for me, but we'll, uh, we'll, well, we'll get through. Well, I hope, I hope you feel better soon. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, well, you, you, you took office. I watched your, uh, your address to your cabinet. Uh, you're, you're calling for a reinvention of government. What does that mean? I mean, what, when, when you say that in terms of practical policy, what, what can North Dakota expect to, to see from that goal that, that you've set for your administration? Well, it, it all starts with, with really with how we uh, operate our agencies and deliver, deliver services. And some of this doesn't require you know, any legislation at all. I mean, some of this is just uh, what, you know, called modern business practices, which is, we, you know, we take the stuff we're doing now and then we figure out, you know, how can we do it better? And sometimes, uh, you know, start with decision-making and decision-making, you know, a lot of times try to, we try to have it be driven by data, but a lot of the data that's out there today is collected by, you know, humans. That means humans on keyboards. And that's, you know, this is a 60-year-old concept that doesn't really apply. I mean, take it in healthcare, where we, you know, put our doctors and nurses on keyboards all day long, and they can see way less patients. That's part of the, one of the things that drives up our cost of care is because our you know, we got a you know nursing and doctor shortage across the state, particularly in mental health, and you know we're forcing them to do all this data entry. Uh, and, you, and you cut it, you cut across there whether it's whether it's education, other government services. We've just you know we've got a lot of. Uh, you know, data that we're collecting manually that's old, that's out of date. So one of the things I talked about with the team yesterday is we just got to enter this world of automatically collected data, which is lower cost to collect and it's more accurate. That can help drive the beginning of uh, how we reinvent processes and then start us thinking about how we better allocate resources. Well, I mean, can you give us a specific example of what that means? I mean, you, you mentioned some things, healthcare and stuff like that, but in, in terms of North Dakota state government, what, what does that mean? I mean, is what what changes can can citizens expect to see well i mean i mean take a look we've got this uh, unfortunate you know oil spill in western north dakota and and you know we're finding out about it when a farmer is on his ground sees it and i think it's a uh, you know we you know we, we we think about you know could we be having uh, you know drones flying over those pipelines every day at lower cost some of these pipelines get flown by pilots every two weeks 
and we know we can have better visual acuity with a you know camera on a drone than we can on a you know human flying a plane, and or we could have you know monitoring you know every uh, you know twenty five meters on these pipelines at very low cost. You know, compared to the pipeline that's leaking was built in nineteen eighty two. I mean, we have to uh, you know this is not. Uh, not a you know a modern pipeline like like uh, the Dapple one we're talking about. This is one that's so you know 30 plus years old, and there's an opportunity for us again to use automatically collected data to to uh, you know reduce the cost to government. We got 100 people out there working on a cleanup. Uh, we you know b- better information faster saves money for everybody. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. You want to join the program? Eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. What about um, you, you? You bring up the Dakota Access Pipeline. Your first message yesterday, um, saying let's let's build the pipeline. Have you have you met with with tribal leadership? Tell us about that situation. Obviously, you're, you're taking over uh, something that's been ongoing for months from from Governor Dalrymple, who just stepped aside. Uh, you know, as as you as you step in now, this situation is on your plate now. How do you see this unfolding? Well, you know, the world really changed. Uh, for this project on November 8th when we ended up with a Republican administration. And I say Republican administration because uh, I think everybody knows that this was approved in the courts, approved in federal courts uh, with Obama-appointed judges. It was approved, and it was through a political process being driven through agencies you know, like the DOJ, like Interior, uh, and others, you know, that were causing the, the blockage on the political, the political block on the easement. So if we return to the rule of law and say we're going to follow the law and follow the courts, uh, if you follow that, then I would assume that we're going to have a, an easement forthcoming sometime after January 20th. And if you look at the appointments, uh, whether it's across the DOJ or the Department of Energy uh, or EPA or any of these, uh, you, you've got, you know, pro-energy, pro-business, pro-rule-of-law appointees, uh, that uh, some of whom may be you know, taking their offices running these agencies shortly after the 20th, and I just think we're going to have a different, different operating environment. So if you just say, hey, that's going to get approved and it's going to get finished, we have to think beyond that because we're, we have to rebuild relationships locally with the tribe, and hopefully we'll have all of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, protesters that are here that are not uh, North Dakotans, not part of the tribe, they'll go off, do something else, and we can start rebuilding uh, relationships with the uh, sovereign nations within our border because there's plenty of important issues that we can start having a dialogue about with them. Do you, because obviously you're right, we, we have a new president, a new administration, that changes the environment. If Governor, or excuse me, President-elect Trump, when he becomes president and he authorizes this project to go forward, uh, one could assume that we're probably going to see an influx of those protesters that we've seen over the last, you know, weeks and months. Are we prepared for that again? For that, for that renewed influx of of protests, or are we going to be doing things differently this time around if, if they come again? Well, I, you know, the hope that you'd have with a uh, with a new administration is that. Uh, this new administration would want to uphold the rule of law on federal land because essentially what we have right now and, you know, taking away the, um, you know, whatever concerns protesters might have, uh, you might have, you know, which in the free speech rights that they have, uh, the camp itself is essentially a place that's, uh, you know, a, a place where there's no rule of law. I don't want to say it's a lawless, uh, you know, illegal encampment, but it, it has been. Uh, and that's just a fact. It's not uh, disparaging you know, anybody's passions or efforts or rights to free speech. But if you've got a spot that is not on the reservation, the BIA isn't, you know, covering it. And, and, uh, 
we're, you know, we're in a situation going forward, you'd expect that we would have some element of federal law enforcement saying that we're going to enforce the rule of law. And particularly with spring coming, uh, you know, if we're in a flooding situation, you know, you basically, you know, when you've had thousands of people there, it's a, uh, you know, the places, you know, could, could be an incredible mess, not only is it a personal health issue, I mean, from a health and safety issue, but when you've got, you know, 5,000 people have been living in a place where we've got no sewer and water, uh, I think you can imagine, the, um, you know, you know what that could be from an environmental standpoint down there. So we're, you know, again, I think the federal government, who's who has had a long history of caring about what North Dakotans do on core land, I hope they just return to that and start applying the, you know, applying the laws of the country to, to uh, core land. And and if, if that's taken care of, then you know people can people want to protest peacefully against fossil fuels. They want to protest peacefully and legally against anything. They're, they have a legal right to do that. But let's get the rule of law going. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Couple minutes left with Governor Doug Burgum. Uh, in, in terms of uh, switching back, we have a legislative session here that's going to start in January. Uh, governor Dalrymple, due to a, a little odd in North Dakota, we have the outgoing governor uh, deliver you know a budget address and an executive budget for the first two u- two years of your administration. Uh, and that's just, I mean, that's not Governor Dow. I mean, that's just, I guess, the way the timing is. But you you congratulated him on the budget, but then also indicated that, that you might make some changes. Can you give us a, a preview of, of maybe some different priorities or some changes that you would be making to uh, Governor Dalrymple's executive budget? Well, you know, the first thing we have to take a look at is a revenue forecast, uh, because, you know, all budgets are based off of certain, you know, revenue amounts. And if we, you know, have a different perspective about what we think the revenue would be, if the revenue forecast too rosy, uh, then then if you lower revenue, then we got to lower spending. So, I, I, you know, I guess my my expectation is that that after we take a look at revenue, we take a look at spending, that we're going to be making amendments to the governor's budget, which would come in at lower lower spending amounts than what uh, he's currently recommending. Do you feel like like his revenue projection was because that we we heard from from lawmakers that they felt that his revenue outlook might be a little bit too rosy and certainly you know since last legislative session we've had to revise revenue forecasts downward time and time again i think lawmakers are afraid of building a budget on on a revenue forecast that is maybe a little bit too as you said rosy do you feel that way i mean do you expect the the revenue forecast to be downgraded yeah i mean i share the legislators concern and and uh and, and certainly we want to be in a position where we're being, uh, you know, we want to be as accurate as we can. But if you're going to miss, you want to be conservative uh, on this because then we, uh, you, know, you know, avoid some of the challenges we had, um, but, you know, in the past two years. Because when, you know, a person's running agencies, and some of our agencies, they have big, important missions. They've got, uh, you know, challenging jobs. If they're spending their time, you know, redoing their budgets, uh, you know, that takes away from the focus of serving citizens in North Dakota and, and serving their constituents. And we want to make sure that if we've got a, any budget changes here, it's because uh, we've got more revenue coming in than what was forecasted as opposed to less, because that's an easier situation to uh, to deal with. And, and you know, it's also also more fun. Hey, Governor Burham, thank you for your time. And also, uh, congratulations on getting married. Uh, I, I know we all, everybody wishes the, just, just the best for you uh, as you endeavor in, in a marriage and uh, in a new administration for our state. 
Thank you, Rob. I'll pass it on to Catherine. Uh, she's excited about uh, her first. Most excited about her first day as first lady, and both yeah. of us are looking forward, along with uh, everybody else on our team, uh, including. Uh, Watford City Mayor Brent Sanford, now Lieutenant Governor, to serving the state of North Dakota. So we're we're looking forward to the opportunity to serve. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Governor. More to come straight ahead on the Rob Report, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 701-293-9000, Guiding you through your Friday afternoon in the middle of a pretty vicious head cold. I think I think my kids bring this home from school to me. I, I think that's one of the... I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it seems like it happens every year around this time, but thankfully we're heading into the week and I'll have some time to recover. I'm sure I'll be back and uh, better than ever on Monday. Uh, some interesting news there, I think, from Governor Burgum uh, about the revenue situation, saying that uh, he shares concerns with lawmakers about, uh, you know, the forecast that, that Governor Dalrymple's budget is built on being a little too rosy. Um, that could mean as 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 much as, as we're seeing, you know, with, with Dalrymple's budget and, and the spending, uh, being a, a pretty drastic reduction, I think a more than 20% reduction in general fund spending from last biennium's budget. Uh, we're going to see, you know, if, 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 if Governor Downrumple, uh, or excuse me, Governor Burgum does a new revenue forecast and we downgrade revenue expectations further, you know, that's going to be in less spending. Um, a, a lot of, and, and by the way, I, I think a lot of people misunderstand this about North Dakota's budgeting cycle. It's not like, you know, I think most of us when we budget, you know, you have a paycheck and then you have X amount of dollars in the bank and then you decide, well, you know, I could spend X amount on utilities and X amount on food and X amount on fun or whatever. Um, North, The state of North Dakota, we budget out for two years and it's budgeted not based on money that the state has, but on money the state expects to collect. So we're not spending money we have. We're spending money that we think we're going to have. And Obviously, because we have, you know, sales taxes and income taxes and all this stuff. I mean, the state has revenue streams that it, it can rely on. But when you're in a commodity based economy like ours, that economic activity is, is hit pretty dramatically by ups and downs in oil prices, ups and downs in crop prices. And so what happens is, you know, for instance, the sales tax has been really the the big problem. I mean, it's it's been the area where we have been unable to the, the forecasts have been unable to nail it down because the sales tax is built so much on economic activity. If we have a bunch of if oil prices are high and we have a bunch of oil workers out in the western part of the state, not only are they engaging in commerce that's driving their construction on their jobs, but they're also staying in hotel rooms, shopping at stores, eating in restaurants and doing all that other stuff that generates you know, secondary, tertiary uh, revenue streams for the sales tax. So when that takes a hit, it has it ripples across the entire budget. And so, you know, Governor Dalrymple say, or excuse me, Governor Burgum, I, I got to get used to saying Governor Burgum. Uh, Governor Burgum saying that, you know, he, he sort of agrees with some legislative concerns about the revenue forecast. That's pretty significant news. Uh, that means that 
as he uh, as he engages in the budgeting process with the legislature, we're probably going to see cuts even down further from where Governor Dalrymple had them. So that's going to be pretty interesting. Hey, coming up next, I'm going to talk about what has to be the most North Dakota story of all time, about the geographical center of North Dakota. Did you know that was in North Dakota, Nathiel, the geographical center of North America? I did, and I do believe that it is currently being hotly contested because as continents shift, that marker needs to shift. Yeah, well, it, it is being hotly contested. There's an article about it in the Wall Street Journal. I shared it on Facebook if people want to check it out. This is hilarious. Only in North Dakota. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus your phone call, 701-293-9000, We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on WDAY. I got a fun story for your Friday afternoon. This is from the Wall Street Journal today. Natil, the little town of Rugby, North Dakota, which is about an hour east of Minot, has long, I, I think for like like 80 years, described itself as, 85 years actually, described itself as the geographical center of North America. And I, I'm not even sure how you go about determining that in something that is shaped like North America. I mean, how do you, it's not like it's a rectangle or a circle, right? No, but I I suppose you take like the southernmost point to the northernmost point and then the easternmost point to the westernmost point and plot those as like sort of an XY access type thing. And then that's one way you could do it. Another way, because there's, there's multiple communities that claim this. Oh, okay. There's another one too, where they, they like, created like a foam cutout of North America and then found the point where it balanced in the middle. Oh, that, and they, but, but how you can't do that's that's not how that works because there's like the, the underside of the continent has a shape and we can't know what the entire underside of our continent is shaped like. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's <laughs> you know, there's multiple I, I all I'm telling you, there's been multiple methodologies to this. I don't know which one rugby's used, but they've claimed it. They've claimed it for a long time. You drive through, there's a monument, they sell T shirts. It's nice. Well, recently, some people from Robinson, North Dakota, which is a thriving metropolis of 37 people, approximately 80 miles to the south of Rugby, um, a bunch of them were getting together at the local watering hole called Hanson's Bar, uh, which also, I believe, is owned by the mayor of Robinson. Uh, His name is, let's see, I'm going to find it in the article here. Uh, Bill Bender. He's the mayor. He also owns the local bar. So they're sitting around, and they're talking about rugby being the geographical center of North America because I can't imagine there's a lot to talk about sitting around in Robinson, North Dakota, on any given night. So they're talking about it, and they're saying, you know, we could be the geographical center of North America, right? It makes more sense that that we're it. So he went, he checked on, and I'm going to quote now, here, I'll just quote from the Wall Street Journal. Late one night at, at Hanson's, after a few hours drinking Grain Belt beers and bourbon, he and a group of friends decided that rugby's claim to fame was suspect. We thought we could make an equal case just as much as rugby can, he said. So the friends sort of offhandedly declared their bar to be the geographical center. 
A few weeks later, after another late night at the bar, Mr. Bender checked to see if rugby still owned the trademark. Turns out it had lapsed in 2009. So Mr. Bender paid $375 to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, filled out some forms, and snatched it up. Now Mr. Hansen's one-room bar decorated with Johnny Cash posters and a deer head on the wall, which was previously best known for a contest that concludes with participants blowing pumpkins to smithereens with explosives, claims it is the real geographical center of North America. It has its own logo, its own T-shirt, and will soon have its own fair, Centerfest, trumpeting its new status. Mr. Bender has begun work on a monument. Does he feel bad that he snatched a treasure trademark from another small town in North Dakota? No, not at all, Mr. Bender said. Uh, they dropped the ball. Snooze, you lose, you know? I, I love that. Snooze, you lose. So rugby North Dakota, no longer the geographical Well, rugby still claims they're the geographical center of North America, though. You know, that's the thing. And there's a fight brewing. And here's, and, and, and what I, I think is just one of the most colorful things I've ever read, Bender wants to solve it in a pretty unique way. Can, can you guess? I guess the deal how, how Mr. Bender would like to solve this dispute with rugby over the geographical center of North America. Just Ooh, in, the, in the most North Dakota way I can think of. Yeah. Um, a good old-fashioned bar brawl. You're close. Oh, really? I, I quote from the Wall Street Journal... Mr. Bender, while unmoved, says if rugby is really upset about it, he would be willing to settle the dispute in a charity boxing match between <laughs> town mayors and would consider the trademark, uh, selling the trademark back to rugby, but only if it was a dollar amount that was like, oh, my God, you know? What? What is this, Boston? I continue. Asked about the trademark, rugby mayor, mayor Ar- Arland Giesler said that is in the process of getting rectified. As for the boxing idea, he added, I have no intention of responding to that. I thought it was a clever way for him to get some free advertising. I'm not interested in such foolishness. So I, I, I guess the boxing match is off. I would I would have paid good money to see a boxing match between the two mayors. I think that would have been a wonderful way to settle it. Um, and just to put a uh, just to put a uh, pin at the end of this uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Meanwhile, Mr. Bender says he is getting visits from tourists who heard about the bar's little uh, title through word of mouth or local news stories. He's now cooking up fresh promotions for Hanson's Bar and its new title. One idea: sneak up to rugby and paint signs that say the real geographical center is 80 miles down the road. It'll be a long winter, he said, so we'll have plenty of time to plan things out. So these two little towns are really going to go over, go to war over this thing. Uh, I guess well, o- over over being the geographical center of North America. Well, and I, to some extent, I can understand it because in small towns like these, it's those types of tourist attraction type things that actually get people coming into their town and help driving revenue into their businesses. And without that, they're kind of SOL. You start losing your cafe, you start losing your post office, you lose your bar, and then you're not a town anymore. It's it's a um, yeah I, I mean it's you, you you sort of laugh at it but I mean if you sell you know I don't know a couple hundred t-shirts a month about it that's a pretty significant level of it and I have no idea if anybody's selling that much stuff about it well but and if you get if you get like a couple hundred people to come to your center fest listen people like kitschy stuff like that right I mean they they like they like to have the t- who doesn't like to have a t-shirt like that right for bumming around on Saturday or something you know the geographical center of North America rugby North Dakota people love stuff like that 
it's probably a not insignificant uh, thing for rugby. Although I, I gotta think, if if the two towns start a war over it, isn't that gonna enhance the whole sort of mystique around it? I don't know. So, so maybe you're thinking this is like an inside job now, where they're uh, like in well, boots. Now hold on, I'm not suggesting a conspiracy. I'm just saying. I'm suggesting a conspiracy. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> let's 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 just go. Let's not let's not perpetrate any fake news here, oh, okay. Natil. Let's I, just I, go where the facts lead us. Right. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, WDAY, 701-293-9000, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that, of course. The, uh, I, I just, I wanted to touch quick on this before the show ended. The uh, Gophers football team is, uh, is striking. They're refusing to engage in any more uh, football activities going forward uh, after there were uh, suspensions for uh, 10, 10 of their players related to an accusation of uh, a sexual assault made earlier this year. It's, I, you know, this, this is an issue, and, and I, I should say at, at the get-go, I have no idea about the allegations of sexual assault. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any opinion on them. I really don't know any of the facts about them. What I do know, however, is the process that these these higher education institutions have for establishing guilt or innocence, and they are kangaroo courts, absolutely. And what these players are standing up for, as I read it, is not so much that they don't want their teammates to be punished for crimes that they committed, but rather that they want due process for their players. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what one of the, the player leaders said, uh, he said, I quote, effective immediately, we will boycott all football activities. The boycott will remain in place until due process is followed and the suspensions for all 10 players are lifted. I guess they do want susp- lift uh, the suspensions lifted, but they're standing up for due process here. And this is a real problem. You know, back in 2011, the Obama administration sent a letter to universities instructing them to investigate and adjudicate allegations of sexual assault on campuses. Uh, the universities have responded to that by establishing tribunals which use a much looser standard of evidence to establish guilt or innocence than the criminal justice system. You know, we saw that here in North Dakota um, several years ago, shortly after this directive came down from the Obama administration. There was a University of North Dakota student by the name of Caleb Warner who was expelled from the university after he was accused of sexual assault, despite the fact that police actually went after his accuser for filing a false police report, meaning not only did they not believe his accuser, they actually felt, I mean, it wasn't just a matter where they didn't feel there was enough evidence. They actually felt that she was lying. And yet the University of North Dakota uh, expelled him for years. And it wasn't until media pressure from national sources that the University of North Dakota overturned that situation. Um, this has been happening all over the country. The Caleb Warner case here in North Dakota actually prompted the legislature in 2015 to pass legislation 
requiring that students get lawyers because in addition to having a lower evidentiary standard, the universities also weren't doing basic things like allowing legal counsel for students, uh, allowing the students to confront their accusers. It is a kangaroo court. So I am so happy that the football team in Minnesota is standing up for this. Kudos to them. They're doing the right thing. Jay Thomas show coming up next. Remember, you can always catch me right here on WDAY, 1 to 2 p.m., Monday through Friday, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Nateel, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. It's giving me chills.